chapter 2, if you will. We are going to finish the chapter this morning. Ooh, shocking. 29 lessons in, and we're finally, you'll believe it when you see it, exactly. Uh, 29 lessons in, and uh, we're getting through. And, and, you know, honestly, I did. I, I looked at this, and, and, and I'm looking at chapter 3 and 4 as study. I studied it, and then we're getting to write it up and so forth. And it's like, man, I don't want to run through this because these first four chapters are the fundamental reason why most Christians, most believers end up in trouble, whether it's morally or doctrinally. And it's this issue that we've been looking at in chapter one and two so far. And it's that issue of adopting human wisdom and human viewpoint and moving away from uh, God's divine viewpoint, and so forth. So uh, as we come here to verse 15 and 16, uh, let's start back up in verse 12, and just to get the, um, the flow of uh, the context here. Verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the, of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And, and again, last week, last couple weeks, we've spent a considerable amount of time in, two, in verse 13. And the comparing the spiritual things with the spiritual. The spiritual things, the things of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the deep things of God, and with the, the Spirit, mind, your thinking process. So as Paul is doing here in contrasting between human wisdom and divine wisdom and where we need to be, the spiritual things, that first category of spiritual things is the deep things of God, verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us, how? By his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So the first category of spiritual things has to deal with the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit as he is revealing the deep things. Now, the deep things, verse 7, are the hidden wisdom of God, see, the deep things. So the Holy Spirit is revealing the deep things of God, and he's doing it by using very specific words, written words. They're inspired, and we looked at that issue of inspiration. God breathed. God speaks them, but in inspiration, when God speaks them, he also speaks into them life, and they're sound words, soundness, life-giving words. So the written word of God is the way in which God has chosen to reveal himself, to make himself known, knowable, approachable, when you read God's word, you're literally talking to God. That's what you're doing, okay? And he's made known really himself to the world, but specifically here to the believer. So the, 
when we talk about comparing spiritual things with spiritual, the spiritual things, the first category of those deep things, the doctrine that was revealed to Paul, given or made known, revealed, and the Spirit goes and he works in it. Then the second category of the comparing spiritual things with spiritual has to do with that issue of the spiritual, our mindset, our thinking. If you look at verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. The, the spirit of man, the way man thinks, the way man views things, the, way, the, the, the pr- perspective. If you guys are paying attention to the NFL football game last night in Kansas City, the coldest one, etc. Well, one of the Miami Dolphin players, he got a little boisterous about, I ain't wearing sleeves, I'm this, I'm a tough guy, rah, rah, rah. Well, that's how man thinks, see. Now, the problem is, is the medical staff saying, oh, yes, you are going to wear because at 40 below or 20, 30 below wind chill, you can hurt yourself physically, you know. Now, guess what? He didn't wear sleeves. I guess he won the argument. My point is, is that's how man thinks, the spirit of man. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world. Here's the way the world thinks. The world thinks according to the course of this world. That the adversary set in motion back in Genesis. Actually, that's how they think about it. By the way, verse 13, which things also we, we speak not in the words which man's wisdom. See, there's words that man uses to teach and to, prop, to promote and to propagandize and to spread out this issue of the spirit of the world. But Paul, verse 12, says but the spirit which is of God, that we might know may, might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The spirit which is of God, that's not the Holy Spirit. You already have the Holy Spirit. That's the way that God would have us to think. That's to be our frame of reference, our perspective. So in other words, the spirit which is of God, that's the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge. Uh, come over to Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Just really this is review kind of get you thinking about what we've been looking at here. But also it's to set up verse 15 and 16 because in verse 15, now we're going to talk about spiritual, the spiritual-minded believer. And we're going to define that for us this morning, okay? Look at uh, Ephesians 1 verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That's how you and I are to be thinking about. The spirit of wisdom, the revelation, knowledge, understanding. Uh, Earlier in chapter 1, he'll say, he's made known unto us all all prudence. See, there's a thinking process. And the, spir- the spiritual mindset. And so when you come back to 1 Corinthians 2, the Holy Spirit, using words, words in a book, he begins to reveal the deep things, the hidden things of God. And now we can learn that. And we develop that thinking process by renewing our mind renewing the way we 
think. So back in 2.13, when he says comparing spiritual things with spiritual, again, that issue of comparing, it's that old scale, the balance, the, the weight, the standard is God's word, period. Okay? Again, how do you go in, you know, in the old store, the old mercantile stores, and I want a pound of flour? Well, how do I know that's a pound of flour? They put a weight over here that's a pound, and it balances it out. We were in the barbecue joint the other day getting some barbecue, and I wanted half a pound of turkey. Well, it was .54. Is that okay, sir? It's perfect. You know, Linda got her ribs. They were 0.75. That's a little more, half a pound, right? That's a little more. Well, what do you think? I think it's good. We'll, we'll eat that, okay? No worries, all right? But see, but how, they, they've got the weight. So here you and I, we take the word of God. That's the standard, period. That's why we talk about knowing you have the word of God. And for English, King James Bible. Why? Because that's the standard that we're going to now bring our thinking into balance with. Equilibrium. Equality. And, and again, is it possible to think in perfect alignment with God? The answer is yes. Look at verse 16, 2.16. And really, this is the whole crux of Chapter 2, this contrast. Here's how man thinks, 2-9, the ear gate, the eye gate, the heart gate. You'll never get to God that way. You'll never get to God through, through I got to see it to believe it. It won't happen. And you'll never get there through sec- ear gate, the secondhand knowledge stuff, passed down. You'll never get over there by your heart and that intuition, I got to feel it. If I feel it, then it's real. Well, your feelings, your emotions are fickle. Just look. Just go watch the movie Notebook. One minute you're laughing, the next minute you're crying. If you don't know what the movie is, don't worry about it. You pick your sad case, okay? You know, you go over there and watch 101 Dalmatians. One minute you're laughing, the next minute you're crying. I mean, what? Because that's your emotions. They're 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 dumb. See, you won't get there. So Paul says that's how man thinks, and here's how God would have us to think. Look at verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he, and that will be God, may instruct him? See? See the question. And the question here, again, I know what happens. People go, oh, but Rick, how could he, how could I have his mind in my feeble flesh? Knock that nonsense off. Because how are you supposed to be thinking about who you are? Who, you're supposed to be thinking about who you are in Christ. Not this over here as who you were. He's going to tell the Corinthians, and such were some of you. But ye are washed. You are that. Quit thinking like that. Think as who you are in Christ. Now, look at the answer. Because Paul, who, who, can, who can instruct the Lord? Or who, who, who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Say, and I know what happens. Well, I could never... But look at how Paul answered the question the rest of the verse. But we have the mind of Christ. You see, the answer is, yes, 
You have the mind of Christ. Not nobody can know, it's too far, I didn't go to school, none of that stuff. Rather, what does Paul say? You have the mind of Christ. So yes, you can think in equilibrium, in balance with how God would have you think. And you can do it right now. What do you have to do? You have to develop a mind, a spiritual mindset. You have to renew your mind. When you are developing that spiritual mindset, and again, we're not talking about ivory towers or in the Greek or the Hebrew or any of that theology non- jargon. By the way, Paul doesn't talk that way. He never talks that way. They, call, they say he's rude in speech. Rude, not crude. Rudimentary, basic. He's already told them here in chapter 2, back up in verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Now, could he have come in the eloquent language? Sure, he could. He, he, he debates out the Epicureans and, and the Stoics right on their level. But here, he, that's not the point. The point isn't. The eloquency, the point is, is what's being taught. And if you're developing a spiritual mindset, and again, that is to think in perfect, equal, perfect balance with the, with, the, with the teaching of God, the Holy Spirit, then we begin to frame the way we think, we perceive life. And literally, we begin to adopt a divine frame of reference. Come over to Ephesians 5. And that's what Paul's talking about. We're to bring into the realm of our thinking, our understanding, an equilibrium, an, a balance to the, to the very things that the Holy Spirit is communicating to the believer through the written record. Notice, get Ephesians 5 and verse 18, and then Colossians 3 and verse 16. And just notice something here. Ephesians and Colossians are, Ephesians is the book of doctrine. Colossians is a book of correcti- correction, corrective doctrine. But they are called sister books because they are all, they're, where Ephesians gives the details, Colossians comes up in bullet points reminds of the doctrine. Look at Ephesians 5.18. What does Paul say? Be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So what is it to be filled, completely consumed by, when you fill up the coffee mug this morning because it was cold? You guys been cold lately? A little bit? A little cold, okay? All right? Now, I, I, I posted uh, a thing about it being like 20 some, 28 degrees at the house or something, and I get a yahoo from Minnesota. That's nothing. That's a sunny day in our day. And I'm like, knock it off. Go. Now, I know the yahoo, so... He's a good guy, and he's just ribbing it to me, you know. Well, at negative 28, then, yeah, he's probably right. It's a warm, sunny day at the beach, you know. Uh, he's up in the northern tier of that, country, of that state country, that state, okay. The thing, it's perspective. Be filled. So here you are. You're filling up your coffee mug, right? You fill it completely consumed. When you put in that coffee, it takes up every nook and cranny of the mug, That's being filled with the Spirit. But what is that? Well, look at Colossians 3 and verse 16. 
because he's going to tell you what it is. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So what is being filled with the Spirit? What's it equal to? Letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly in what? All wisdom. See that? So if I'm going to be filled with the Spirit, then what am I going to be? I'm going to have my life filled with the word of Christ at every level. I'm going to take what the Holy Spirit is teaching me through the written record, and I'm going to put that into my inner man, renew my mind. By the way, you're in Ephesians uh, 5, somewhere eventually. Look at Ephesians 4. Look at verse 23. I'm going to come and I'm going to, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, uh, and instruction in righteousness. That, why is scripture profitable? That the man of God may be perfect. What does that mean? Comma. Perfect, comma. Here's what perfect means. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Mature. I'm an adult here. If you Again, Ephesians 4.23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, the way you think. So to be filled with the spirit, to have the word of Christ dwell in you richly at every level. I'm going to take what the word of God says, I'm going to put it into my thinking, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work in, my, in me, in my life where I'm at. And I'm going to let that fill up. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 2, all that's kind of review, if you will, to get into verse 15. Now, verse 14, the natural man in the context, the natural man here is not a lost man. Now, the natural man is going to think like, the lost will think like 2-9, eye, ear, and heart, Okay. But what he, he's talking to believers who have gone and now they are behaving like the lost. Here's the Corinthians. They're chasing wisdom like the world chases wisdom. And he says, knock it off. That's not who you are. See, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Verse 14, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are what? spiritually minded i'm thinking that's why verse 15 but he that is spiritual you see it's a mindset now we're going to talk about the spiritual the spiritual man and i know what happens in the in the pronoun driven world that we live in it's going to be spiritual believer so none of you ladies think you're being left out okay you like that? I get an email. Hey, you got to watch your pronouns, brother. I'm like, hey, brother, why don't you watch yours? You know, <laughs> you can't have pro, you can't speak English. Well, he had no pronouns, and it was a he, them, they, she, it thing. And I'm like, dude, really? You know, and I know this gentleman too, and he's a good guy, I thought, until I got that email. You know, now we got to work on. No, you, spiritually minded believer, okay? How do we define that? How do we look at verse 15? But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And again, the whole goal of chapter 2 is that end of that verse 16. You have the mind of Christ. 
You have it. You have it in the written word, but you have it in you, in who you are in Christ. So how do we define the spiritual man, the spiritual believer? Okay. Most of Christianity say they define spirituality based on what? Observed behavior and activity. You can't. Okay? And you know why you can't? Because if you're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, if you go down to Tucson with us on the fourth Friday and you're with us on Monday night, so you're always around church, what does most people say? Wow, they are spiritual. And yet they're doing it, or you're doing it, from a legalistic, I got to be there, I got to be there, push. Not from a grace motivation, but from a legalistic motivation. You follow? Okay. Think about prayer. Most will say you need to pray for at least an hour. Christianity Today had a big write-up in their thing in their magazine a couple years about the lack of prayer today. And you know what the lack of prayer for them was? Anything less than 30 minutes. A lack of a prayer closet. Where does that come out of? Matthew, Mark, Israel's program. So if I'm over here operating and thinking about prayer, Israel's program. By the way, did you know what the Lord told Israel, the little flock about praying? Don't pray like the heathen pray. Do you know who climbs in a closet to do a confessional prayer? Oh, I just told you. The heathen do. <laughs> See? And here you are climbing in. But, but wait a minute, Rick, it's scriptural. But it's not. This, so it's not spiritual. How about giving? We were talking about this the other night, Sunday night. Give 10%. Malachi 3. Blah, 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 blah. Is that the proper way to give? But it's scriptural. So, man, they're giving, I'm, I'm handing you giving statements for, the, for last year. Boy, you know, check your 1040 so we make sure you're giving 10%. See, that's not, but in most eyes, what is it? It's spiritual. How, going to church, prayer, giving. You, you, you think about how most look at spirituality based upon observed activity. Do you know that I pray for you guys about two minutes? Totality. Lord, let's have a little bit of spiritual understanding this morning. You know that that's more spiritual than praying for two hours? Because a spiritual-minded believer will understand something about prayer and what is appropriate today. They will understand something about giving, that it's a cheerful giver. It's not 10%. It's not even 1%. It's what I've purposed, see. It's what I've, how I've, money is a tricky subject because that's how you value things. So how do you value the work of this ministry? Well, some of you don't value it very much. Some value it more. See, see, now we're down into motivation over here that's between you and the Lord, not me. I, I value it where, anyway, <laughs> I value it so much that the lights will always be on. See, 
But see, the thing is, is when, when you begin to think about spirituality, most are defining it by evaluating someone's behavior, and you can't do that. That is not spirituality. Now, a spirit-minded believer, again, they'll know something about prayer, about going to church, about giving, about the different things, but they're going to know it from a Pauline perspective, from rightly dividing the word of truth. Say, going to church, sorry, it doesn't define spirituality. Now, if you're not here, I'm going to call you. It's going to take me about three or four weeks before I do because I don't like bugging you. And it'll be a call of concern to make sure you're, you're, are you alive? And that was really driven more by 2020 with COVID than anything else, honestly. Because I called a gentleman and he was no longer alive. See? And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to pay attention. Now, now, by the way, you can go the opposite way. And you can say, don't you smoke? Don't go to movies. Don't go to dances. Don't gamble. So you can't play the Powerball because that's gambling. Can't get it. See, you can swing the other way. You know, well, we don't smoke. We don't chew. We don't go with those that do. Okay. You never heard that. Wow. It's usually it's we don't go with the girls that do. So, you know, for us boys and the boys, you know. See, you can swing that the other way. See, again, spirituality a spirit mind, by the way, a spirit-minded believer will understand that behavior like smoking, gambling, you know, drinking isn't probably good for you. But the mandate isn't God's going to zap you and you're going to lose. The mandate is a health mandate, understanding. So then the question is, is then, okay, how then do we define a spiritual-minded believer? Again, never based on behavior. Because I can be the most righteous, holy roller you know and be doing it from an improper motivation, an improper understanding of the Scripture. See, You cannot be doing it and be doing it from a proper understanding of the Scripture. I could be given 25% every day, every week, and doing it thinking I'm gaining something from God when I'm already blessed with all, see? So then I I'm, I'm think I'm getting more. See, that's an improper understanding of Scripture, see? So the proper understanding is I have everything. Now I'm being motivated out of a heart of love and gratitude and appreciation for what I have in, my, what I have in Christ. So I'm going to go do this and now. And I've purposed in my heart to do this. You follow that? Okay, so first of all, you never define spirituality based on behavior or activity. If so, you're all sinners and you're all going to hell, every one of you. I'm the only spiritual one in the room. <laughs> but that's where you get, see. See, you know, the wonderful thing about grace is that we understand that when we came into who we are in Christ, we came in as sinners. You came in the same way. So when I look at you, and even though I know that you're a sinner, I also look at you as who you are in Christ. See? And that's where my focus is. 
If I was to focus or you were to focus on the failure side of it, you would never be here. You would be so depressed, we'd have to be checking on you. You see, when you come at it from a grace perspective, and that's one of the points here in spiritual maturity, we'll get it here in just a minute. Man, you come at it looking from a grace perspective, you know what? Who cares what the stock market does? Man, we're good to go, see, okay? So, spiritual-minded believer is someone who literally takes the things of God, the Holy Spirit, that are available, that are objectively and tangibly available through the Scriptures, the written Word. Takes those things that the Spirit has made available through the written Word and begins to adopt those things by renewing our minds. Come over to Romans 8. Romans 8. And when you begin to adopt, when you begin to bring into the realm of your thinking and your understanding, and you begin to bring your spiritual mindset, your thinking into balance with how God thinks, that's the road of spiritual maturity and being spiritually minded, okay? When you think about, you have to think about this. Notice Romans 8. And again, with the Corinthians, Paul has already taught this in Romans. The Corinthians were missing it. So he's got to take them back. Just like we looked a couple weeks ago, he had to take them back to Romans 6. See? The Corinthians, why? They're not functioning properly on their identity. Romans 8. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You see that led? Look, look over at Mark 1. Just, I, it's a fascinating thing when you think led. You're going to allow the Spirit to take the lead. Hold on to Romans 8. Okay, to be led is to, is to submit to his authority, to the way that he's operating today in the dispensation of grace. It's to allow him to instruct. It's, allow, it's to allow him to do Mark 1.12. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. Matthew 4, Mark, or Luke 4, all said led. Led him up into the wilderness, led him to the wilderness. Here, Mark says what? Driveth. You see, when you go back there to 8.14, when you let the, when the, when as many as are led by the Spirit, you're letting the Spirit drive you, direct you, influence you. Again, how do we know what he's doing? We're comparing spiritual things with spiritual. See? He's revealing things through that written word. 8, 14, Romans 8.14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear. You see the spirit, the thinking process of bondage to fear. Our, the, the spirit of the way we think about this, the, our mentality, our mental disposition. God's word will never produce in the realm of your inner man, your thinking, a spirit of bondage to fear. 
Verse 15, by the way, again to fear. Why? Because what does the law do? The law uses fear. The law keeps you in bondage. You see, you guys with me, right? Romans 8, 15. This is powerful, folks. I mean, it grips it gripped me. I hope it grips you. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You were under bondage, by the way, as a sinner, the bondage of sin. But Romans 6, what's your relationship to sin? Death. That dead men don't tell tales. I watched a couple mob movies over the break, over the week, or the cold mornings or whatever, okay? What's the, sin has no dominion. If I'm living that, I'm renewing my mind with it, then there's no fear. Verse 16, I'm sorry, verse 15. But ye have received the spirit of adoption. By the way, notice it's a capital S. So who would that be? The Holy Spirit. By the way, that's Ephesians, what we learn later in Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14, where we're sealed with that spirit of promise, and he's the earnest, inherit, earnest and inheritance up front. And we learn later in four, Ephesians 4 that we're sealed unto the day of redemption. That's that spirit of adoption, see, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Who are you? What is God the Holy what look at what God the Holy Spirit is seeking to do here? Not only to communicate to us the hidden wisdom and the deep things of God, but he's but he wants that information, that doctrine to operate in the realm of our thinking. What it is that needs to be brought into perfect balance with what he's communicating, our thinking about this. It, no, by the way, notice that there's no subject matter here. It's just, this is how I think about this. See, How do I work this out? Why? Because we are the children of God. We're, by the way, children of God. Remember what the Lord said in Matthew 3, Mark 3? Luke 3, or not Mark 3, Luke 3, the Holy Spirit descends down on the Lord, and the Father says, Behold, this is my beloved Son. Beloved. You and I, Ephesians 1, are accepted in the beloved. You know what we are? We are beloved children of God. We're to, and we're to think that way. We are to relate to God based on who we are. Who are we? We're beloved. We're adults in the family of God. How do you know that? Well, we, whereby we cry, what? Abba, Father. That's not a cry of a baby. The only other person in Scripture ever to say, cry, Abba, Father, was the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was a 33-year-old man. He was no baby. He was no child. A child can't cry. That's why Israel can't cry it. Israel's are, they're little ones. They're, they are little children. They can't cry it. They won't, they'll be able to cry it out in the kingdom out there one day, but they can't in time. In time, right now, we are privileged to be able to cry, Abba, Father. 
Because the cry of the adult son, Abba, Father, is a cry of an intelligent son. It, one who, someone who understands why he's in the situation he's in, and more importantly, understands that he chose to be there. Think about the son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does he say in the garden of Gethsemane? Not my will. By the way, what was his will? His Lord, if there's, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass, let it be. Work this thing out. What was his will? His will was not to go die. That was his will. But before the Father could answer him, he says, not my will, but thy will be done. And then subsequently after that, he call, by the way, he says that three times. Then he cries out, Abba, Father, in that. What does the, what does the son, the, the beloved son say? Hey, my will is not to be here, but I'm not here doing my will. I'm here doing the Father's will. And the Father's will is that I go and die. Abba, Father, I'm, I'm here doing your will. I understand what's going on. The father has opened his ears, Isaiah, Psalms, given him the, the, the tongue of the learned. He's, expo he's taught all this, and he, the son says, I'm good to go. Do you know what you and I are to do? Same thing. Why? We have the mind of Christ. We have that capacity, that ability to think like he thinks. We are privileged to think the way that our Savior thought. You know why? Because we've received the same Spirit, Holy Spirit, that He did, that He has. He has the Holy Spirit and dwelling in Him in the humanity side. And He says, let's go. Let's go. And He says, I'm good. And Paul says, you've got the same. Quit thinking like the lost. Quit thinking like the Gentiles think. Ephesians 4, 17. Don't walk like the, get over here and who you are. Uh, come over to Galatians 6. Illustrate this out a little better. So the spiritually minded believer <clears throat> is going to let the spirit work, do its job, drive the, drive the vehicle of your mind. Look at Galatians 6 verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, spirit, mindset, thinking, attitude of meekness, lest, I'm sorry, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Okay, Paul, what's this thing about ye which are spiritual? What does that look like? Well, drop down to verse 8. By the way, if you ever ask yourself a question, all right, what's going on? Just keep reading because the book will tell you. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. What's the spiritual believer going to do? Sow into the realm of his inner man the what? The things of the Spirit. What are those? Those are those deep things of God that he's down there digging up and revealing and making known, that hidden wisdom, see. So the, illustrate, the spiritual believer will, the spiritual, spirituality, 
is never measured based upon your outward activity or behavior. Now, spirituality should impact your outward behavior and activity. Okay? But spirituality, a spiritually-minded believer will invest time and energy in sowing into the inner man the things of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So when we think about the makeup of the spiritual believer, come over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. The first category, if you will, or first point on defining the spiritual-minded believer is that the spiritually-minded believer is going to submit to the authority of the Scriptures, period. So when the Scripture says is what we do. When the Scripture says don't do, then we don't do. You follow that? that this is the, that's the weight on our scale. That's the standard. It isn't my opinion. It isn't your opinion. Opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got at least two, and they usually stink. Okay? The weight, the, the authority. 2 Timothy 3.15. And that from a child thou, this Timothy, hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee, notice, wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Notice what Timothy had, the scripture. They're called what? Holy Scriptures. Timothy didn't have originals. He had copies. His mom and grandma that taught him and kept them in front of him. And they're going to able to make him wise unto salvation. Salvation in what manner? And see, this is where everybody goes, oh, Timothy was part of Israel's program because he believed. But salvation has a context, doesn't it? The context of salvation is chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. You see, the salvation from what, Timothy? What can Timothy learn from the Old Testament about perilous times? A lot. Salvation just simply means to be rescued from harm and then a whole list of bad stuff in the dictionary. So salvation here isn't justification. Timothy's been saved a long time at this point. This is about the apostasy in the local in the, in the church, the body of Christ. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration. And again, of God, inspiration. Yes, God spoke them, but when he spil- spoke, there's life in those words. What did God do? He breathed into man. Genesis, this pulls you back to Genesis 2. Breathe into man the breath of life. He, he breathed those words, and in those words is life. That's why Paul will use, like in chapter 1, verse 13, hold fast the form of sound words, life-giving words. 3.17, that the man of God, here we are, may be perfect, mature, truly furnished unto all good works. Truly furnished unto all good works. I'm like, I got it, I got an idea on how to proceed through everything because my mindset is in balance with what the Holy Spirit says, which is in the written 
record. So the spiritually minded believer, come over to 1 Corinthians 14. The spiritually minded believer will allow the will allow the authority of God's word to be 1 Corinthians 14, the final authority in all matters of practice and faith and whatever else you need to say it so you understand that when you come up against something and you go to scripture and it says A, then guess what it is? It's A. Whether you like it or not, it's A. See? And that's the rub with most of us because if we don't like it, then we make it our... I told a guy years ago, I go, you're not arguing with me. You're arguing with God's word. So take it up with him when you see him. Because I can't change the verses, nor would I ever change the verses. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37. Here's the second principle. Spiritually minded believer will acknowledge the authority of the Apostle Paul and his epistles, his ministry, and then ultimately that issue of rightly dividing the word of truth. But first we start with acknowledging the authority of the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 14, again, he's talking to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, and he says, verse 37, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, that's chapter 2 reference. You think you're spiritual because you pray for two hours or you give 100% or, well, maybe. We'll talk about that one. But if you do, I'm just kidding. You guys got to relax in here, okay? I don't go to the movies and I don't go dancing and I don't do this or that. And did you hear that the preacher goes dancing? Ooh, you know, shock, you know. I don't. I don't dance. I got... I got one dance on a, in a wedding, and it was the sway kind with the husband and wife dance, you know. That's about the extent of it. I told, my, I told Lynn, I said, we ought to go to Fred Astaire and learn to dance. And she's like, are you nuts? <laughs> I go, I guess so, <laughs> you know. Anyway, I don't know. You get those itches every now and then, right? I, I go watch. Anyway. <laughs> if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual... Let him acknowledge that the things that I, that's Paul, write unto you are the what? Here is the commandment of God. Here's God's commandment. Well, we like the Ten Commandments. Okay, great. I'm glad you do. By the way, here's some commandments of God. You know, and what, what does most of Christianity do? Most of the church today, they reject these commandments. Notice how that verse says that. See? The spiritually minded believer, you know what he's going to do? He's going to acknowledge what? That Paul's the guy. And that what Paul's telling me for the age of grace, for this dispensation, for right now, as a Gentile, because he's my apostle, is what? The commandment of God. There's nothing, there's no, it's A, folks, there's no B. There's, it's, that's what it is. Come over to Titus, chapter 1. Titus, chapter 1. Titus 1. You see, a spiritually minded believer will, again, 
acknowledge the authority of God's word over their, in their lives and will acknowledge the, the, the authority and the ministry and the message of the Apostle Paul. Verse 1, Titus 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. You see, there's some truth that you're acknowledging, and it's focused on godliness, God-likeness, thinking like God thinks, having the mind of Christ. Verse 3, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. Here it is again. Paul, I am the due time testifier. God is using the Apostle Paul to get the attention of the church to say, hey, I'm over here today. But notice, it's the commandment of God, our Savior. Come over to Colossians chapter 1. By the way, what does Paul tell you and I to do with the word of truth? Rightly divide it. See, right division is a part of this. So if I'm going to acknowledge God, the authority of God's word in my life, and then I'm going to acknowledge Paul and his ministry, so I'm going to therefore rightly divide the word of truth, then when it comes to giving, I'm not going to 10% it. I'm going to come over here and be a cheerful giver. See, a spiritually minded believer won't be over here where he's not supposed to be. He'll be over here where they're supposed to be, okay? Now, it's not against the principles or any of that. It's just my mindset is going to be cheerful giver. But in my purpose, if I purpose, we were talking Sunday night, to do 10%, then that's what I purpose. But I'm not doing it to gain something over here in their program. I'm doing it over here as what? A cheerful giver. You follow that? Okay? You see, you can, there's, it, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Colossians 1, verse 25. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given unto me for you to fulfill the word of God. Complete the word of God. Fill it up. Even the mystery which hath been hidden from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach. Think about that. Warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now notice verse 28 very carefully. Because you see that warning? When we see a warning, what do we usually do? <laughs> Duck and cover, right? But notice what Paul's talking, what's the warning about? There's a storm coming, there's cold weather, whatever, okay? Hurricane coming, tornado coming. What's the warning in the verse? The warning in the context is a failure to acknowledge, verse 25, 26, and 27. The failure to acknowledge the Apostle Paul as the due time testifier, as the Apostle to the Gentiles, as preaching Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. If you fail to do that, 
There's spiritual danger in rejecting the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. If you reject Paul's apostleship, you'll be in spiritual trouble. Warning, warning. Again, what are we trying to do? We may present every man perfect. What's that? Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Grown up, mature. So the, sec- so the first point, the spiritually minded man, yes, God's word is the final authority in all matters of practice of faith and, and life and everything. But also beyond that, we're going to look and say, you know what, Paul's the apostle. And what Paul wrote and his letters, 13 epistles, that's where I'm going to focus in on. That's what's going to control and dictate my mindset. Come over to Romans 16. Because a spiritual-minded believer is, gonna, is someone who's going to recognize Paul's apostleship, but he's going to take it a little deeper, Romans 16. You see, folks, we started with the foundation of God's words of final authority, and we're digging deeper now. Now we're at Paul's apostleship. And now Paul's going to dig a little deeper, Romans 16, 25, and 26. Now to him that is of power to establish you. See, we're in the establishment doctrine. We're beyond established. We're stable now, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandments of the everlasting God, made known to all nations. Now watch, here's the deeper, for the obedience of what? Faith. Faith is that system of doctrine that's been given to Paul and then revealed. My gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, that's the doctrine, that's the faith. And now I'm going to walk in obedience to that. Yes, I'm going to rightly divide the word of truth. And then when it comes into obeying the doctrine, the faith, see, again, remember Romans 4, Abraham believed God, right? But what did God have to do before Abraham would believe him? He had to say something. You see, our faith rests in what God has said. Our faith also rests in what God has not said. So the obedience to a specific set of doctrine here, of truth, that's the third level. Galatians 5, and we've got to be done. Galatians 5, here's the fourth level. And you can, do, you can work out a few more other levels, but these are the big ones, I think. The fourth level, Galatians 5, the spiritual-minded believer will relate to all based on the operating principle of grace and not the operating principle of the law, legalism. That means Israel's program. That means Genesis to Acts. I won't operate there. It's all good for my learning, but not my obedience. My obedience is in Romans to Philemon. Okay? Look at Galatians 5, verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, let what? Driven of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now, 
Ain't that clear? Doesn't that kick some of you? Oh, I'm spirit-led. And then you go right underneath the legalism. Guess what? No, you're not. You know why? What's that verse say? What's God's word say? God's word says that the Holy Spirit will never lead you. It will never drive you to live under the law. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Genesis to Malachi. Acts. Hebrews through Revelation. He'll never take you there. Well, but Rick, I can just feel it. No, now see, now you're in the heart thing. Now you're over here thinking like man. What's God's word say? God's word says, verse 18, God's word says a spiritual-minded believer will relate to everyone on the basis of that relationship built on grace and the operating principles of grace, not the law. A spirit-minded believer will never live under the law because the spirit doesn't drive you there, doesn't lead you there, doesn't take you there. He takes you where? To grace. He takes you down to verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. He, doesn't, he takes you, Romans 6, 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? You're not under the law, but you're under grace. So the spirit-minded believer, come back to chapter 2, because it's time to be done. Thank God and Greyhound he's done. Or, or he's gone. I think he's gone is the song. The spirit-minded believer, the way to identify that is that issue of they will, all, they will have the, is they will submit to the authority of God's word, rightly divided. They will recognize Paul's apostleship and ministry exclusively. They will operate under the obedience to a specific set of doctrine revealed to us by God through Paul in the written word. And then we'll relate to each other, to, well, to all, on the basis of grace and not the law. That's where you judge the spiritual minded. Not in activity, because we all like to fake it till we make it. No, where are we going to be? We're going to be over here. Okay? Now in chapter 3, verse 1, and I, brethren, and he's going to continue, because in chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, the push is to get them out of that, hum there is the dangers of following human viewpoint versus ignoring, rejecting God's viewpoint, and that's what he's developing. Okay? All right, Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word and for the look into it and the study of it and to consider it in our lives on a daily basis. In your name we pray, amen. All right, be back here.